0: Hello peoples and welcome to another episode of Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. I am your host for the day, Ryan Siebold, coming at you with another, I got five on it, five minute mini review. I'm just never going to stop doing that. Never going to stop. Today's film is Decision to Leave from 2022, directed by Park Chanuk on a budget of $10 million that brought in a box office of $22 million, so good on them. Before we get too far into this, I will give a quick spoiler warning. I'm going to get into some minor spoilers on the plot. So if you want to stay clear of such things, if you have plans to see this movie, you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It's a solid film. And then come back and we'll discuss. Rotten Tomatoes, as is described as, From a mountain peak in South Korea, a man plummets to his death. Did he jump or was he pushed? When Detective hai Jun arrives on the scene... He begins to suspect the dead man's wife, So-Ray, but then he digs deeper into the investigation and he finds himself trapped in a web of deception and desire. Now, right out the gate, I'm going to go ahead and say this movie subverts expectations, or at least my own. Based on that description, and several like it, and the trailer, I thought this was going to be a suspense thriller. Instead, it was more of a noir police procedural slash star-crossed romance. This was Law & Order meets The Notebook. The law book, if you will. It's a pretty long one, too. It's about two and a half hours, and I just kept waiting for a twist to jumpstart a cat-and-mouse suspense thing, but this little piggy had none. And because I was waiting for some kind of suspense or thrills, I found the plot to be somewhat bland, and then halfway through it restarts and pushes me through a similar narrative all over again. There's no real mystery or suspense, because they tell you pretty early on that she's the one that killed her husband. You need to know she's the killer, because therein lies the conflict for the detective to fall in love with her. And then at the end of the film, I found myself asking, did the characters have an arc here? Did they change in any way? Was there a MacGuffin at all, other than maybe love? Or was it just two people slowly revealing and accepting who they were the whole time? I really wrestled with the narrative and the pacing of this film a lot. But with that said, this is still a Park chan film. So for as bland and dry as the narrative can be at times, it's still laden with stunning camera work and visuals, packed full of blink and you miss some camera tricks and visual effects. It's also driven by a beautiful score done once again by his best friend, Joe Young-wook, who's worked with Park chan his entire career. In an interview, chan said that they really wrestled with the first iterations of the score, as all the first versions Joe Young-wook kept bringing him were full of emotion. And chan said the main characters in the film spent the entire movie fighting their emotions. So he didn't want the score to get ahead of the narrative in any way. So they really stripped back the score a little bit. It's a little more dialed back than we're used to hearing from a Park chan film. But that doesn't make it any less beautiful. The score is one of the things I love the most about this movie. Next, let's talk a little bit about the acting. Park Heil stars as a place-by-the-numbers workaholic insomniac detective who is investigating the murders of two back-to-back husbands and slowly, very slowly, mind you, falls in love with two-time widow. Hey, congratulations, two-time widow, played by Tang Wei. Park Heil's character often comes across as stoic or bored in this film, but let me tell you, he does stoic and bored really, really well. The acting in this film is phenomenal, but the star of the show for me is Tang Wei. She goes scene to scene from being vulnerable, in control and powerful, genuinely nurturing. But she's also a straight-up killer. So she had a lot to do here. So you'd think this performance would come across as convoluted or overstuffed. But quite the contrary. Her performance is captivating and is one of the main reasons I kept watching this film. Again, it's a long one at two and a half hours, and the narrative can be a little dry at times. So buckle up for that. But though their performances were phenomenal, and they were... The characters in the narrative itself leaves you as the viewer with a real moral quandary here. So first off, the detective is married. And it's a seemingly good marriage at that. They set that up right at the top. But he's one of those married to his job types. And he's consistently getting distracted by the adrenaline that he gets for investigating murders and such. Then you have Tang Wei's character, who as soft and generous and loving as she can be, is also collecting dead husbands so that she can continue to see this detective. So yes, their performances are amazing. The chemistry they have is captivating. But he keeps coming back to her like, you know I have to investigate you now, right? And she's like, oh, please investigate the hell out of me. Investigate me so hard. And he's like, okay... Yeah, this is a Ross and Rachel, will they, won't they, that really turns out to be a you better not because it's very problematic this whole thing. (laughs) It's hard for me to root for anybody or want this to happen at all. On top of that, again, there's no suspense. There's really no mystery because they kind of show you all the cards right out the gate. And from a romance standpoint, I don't even know that they barely kiss. I don't think there's a love scene to be had in this film because when he wants her, she doesn't want him back. And vice versa, so they keep this back and forth going where... Yeah, I don't know. The narrative of this movie had problems for me. What I can say with all confidence is that this is a beautiful film. Shot by Korean DP, Ji Young Kim. I believe this is their first collaboration. For the nerds in the audience, this was shot on an Alexa Mini with Cook anamorphic lenses, some Zeiss super speeds for some of the dark scenes, and even a set of Genesis Vintage 66 lenses to get some of the dreamy aesthetic that they liked. The coloring of this film is some of the best I've ever seen, creating tone and atmosphere. It's so beautiful. There's a Confucius quote in Act 1 of this film, spoken by Tang Wei's character, that says that wise are like water and the benevolent are like mountains. And the whole color scheme and visual aesthetic kind of revolves around that motif that Park Hyo-il's detective character represents the mountains and Tang Wei's widow character represents the water. Knowing that, as you watch the film, you'll see that decisions were made throughout the film in regards to color, tone, wardrobe, set and setting and set design. All these things that kind of serve those character choices of water versus mountains. So you get a lot of teals, you get a lot of browns. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Selective focus creates a dreamlike quality, and there's tremendous amounts of visual effects trickery, mostly done with compositing and blue screen. But it's done so subtle you'd barely know that it was there. And the editing, scenes and locations seem to overlap, which left me still dealing with emotions from the prior scene as I'm pulled into the next. There's a four-minute visual effects reel online that everyone should go see. It's really amazing how subtle some of these decisions were. A couple of scenes that stand out to me were the interrogation scene, where Hael is investigating Wei, and in the investigation, one of them is in focus and the other is soft. But in the two-way investigation mirror behind them, the opposite is true. The other is in focus and the other is blurred out. And it was done through blue screen composite very, very intentionally. It was really cool how they did it. And as the interrogation goes on, they remain apart in the interrogation room, but in the mirror, they're getting closer and closer together. It's really cool. Very, very subtle stuff, though. Another scene that stood out to me was the beach scene finale, which I won't spoil here as it's kind of the emotional crux of the whole film. But what's important is that it had to be shot at sunset at high tide. DPG Young Kim said where they needed high tide to be to pull this shot off only gave them two days to shoot before they had to wait another 30 days for the tides to repeat themselves. And where they needed the lighting to be only gave them about 10 to 15 minutes to get the shot done. So they had 10 to 15 minutes each day for two days to get this done. They couldn't find a beach that matched their liking, so they shot this over three different beaches and had to get the lighting just right. If all that wasn't enough, one of the beaches started to snow, so they had to digitally composite all this snow out in visual effects and post-production. And then another beach, it started to rain, so they had to take all that out and cover the whole thing with some mist. If all that wasn't enough, there were crane shots, so they had to get a crane onto the beach. And with the tide rising, that created a tremendous logistics problem. So they had to create all these wooden ramps all the way down the beach to get the crane down so that they could get the crane off the beach after the tide had risen. It was a whole ass thing, but it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful ending. I do believe this was my favorite part of the film. In conclusion, I could say the narrative was a little off and the pacing was pretty slow. But if you go into the film knowing that you're expecting this, a very, very slow, deliberate romance, this movie is a masterpiece. It's a true work of art. I do see why people love this movie last year. I'm glad I saw it. My three adjectives are tender, because this is a really tender, soft, emotional, romance film. Problematic, troubled, but tender. My next is subtlety. Because this is not a Paul Greengrass movie. This is not bombastic. Every decision made in this film to create this beautiful work of art is so subtle. That's why I can't wait to see this movie again, because I missed a lot of this nuance that went into making this. And my last is gorgeous, because of course, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous film. This is one of those films like The Joker, where I think you could pause it at pretty much any given moment, print out that screen grab and hang it on your wall. It's a work of art. It's a beautiful film. I really wrestled with a grade rating for this. But because of some of the narrative flaws, the problematic characters, and the slow, dry pacing of the whole thing, I'm giving this one a B plus. But I would recommend this to anybody. Everybody should go see this film and come out with your own conclusions. My B-plus is not the end-all be-all. Don't judge me on it. There is a lot I really, really love. There's a lot of A-plus shit happening in this movie. So... But don't judge me. This is a judgment-free zone. Just come find us next week and listen into another episode of Esoteric Cinema.